All right, so we'll we'll try to start with the energy levels good. It's gonna be a spicy episode. I can feel it in my soul. Okay, that's good. I, I'd prefer yeah, spi- gonna, I prefer spicy. Latino flat, you know. <laughs> burp, 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 burp. Welcome back, everyone. We're back with episode twelve. I believe we're on. So episode twelve. One day, I'm gonna, one day I'm gonna get a real air horn for for this podcast instead of my my crappy uh you know voice i actually quite like your air horn impersonation you do a good good (laughs) job you do a good job so um but maybe we'll get that the the poor beetle the beagle beetle the beagle's in the corner with us again he wasn't here last week but he's back can you imagine that's the real guest oh jesus an air horn not sure beetle would uh, vote in favor of that one but um, (laughs) but anyway um yeah welcome back um it's been uh, a little minute since our uh, last episode so we're Pleased to be back on the uh, DSP airwaves and uh, on your screens at home. And for those of you viewing at home, you will see that we have the exceptionally beautiful and talented Zara Ortiz Woo! on the couch joining us. Welcome. Welcome, Zara. Welcome. Glad to be here. <laughs> and um, I'll give uh, Zara a quick intro. Um, Zara is... Um, well, currently VP, um, Vice President of Marketing at, uh, I'd say, um, a major record label and specializing in the Latin genre, Latin America, basically. Uh, so that's going to be the focus of this particular episode. We're going to do a little bit of a deep dive into uh Latin music and what's happening at the minute and the differences between Latin music and Anglo repertoire. When and the it comes similarities. To, yeah, differences, similarities. We're going to, we're, I guess we're going to explore some of those, but, um, you know, that's, that's what we're going to get into. But, um, yes, Zara is VP of marketing, um, specific to the Latin, the Latam region and, um, does both Latin music and Anglo repertoire. So that's actually going to be really useful when it comes on to sort of seeing some of those similarities and differences. We're going to be speaking to someone who is at the coal face of both and has firsthand knowledge of both. So, um, but also I think it's fair to say that you're a lady of many talents. Uh, (laughs) I don't sing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you you said you were going to come in here and sing. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, you, you, Zara has been a, uh, a manager in her time and has managed, um, relatively successful music acts in the Latin space, but also you've managed, um, artists as well well sorry, sorry actors i should say no and artists as well i artists. started yeah i managed musicians after my time at the label i went and managed some musicians and then it shifted into actors and then i also not only managed producers i signed in new established artists to major labels as well wow yeah so you've done it all so i've done it all jason don't put me in a box <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's a, that's amazing um, um but i would i would also add to that tim that um Zara is like, in my opinion, like the uh, the queen of Latin. Everywhere <laughs> I go, I've been, I've hung out with Zara, and we go down to Miami, and she is the most connected person mm. I've ever known and hung out with. When you go there, everybody recognizes her. She knows everybody. I'm six one, so it's very easy to recognize. <laughs> she is, she is very recognizable, a tall lady, and um, but yeah, very well connected. Everything lady. from. Uh, 
<laughs> everything everything from helicopter rides with with Mel Gibson to, <laughs> I've heard it all I've seen the photos we call that so you're a, a renaissance woman I think that's the proper term yes you, you, you do it all you're just you're just a, an influencer really how does it feel to be so great I think I'm a micro influencer because of my following okay <laughs> but a major influencer in terms of real life. Well, well, I did notice. I'm gonna for those of you watching in TikTok, she, Sarah has her own branded phone here. She's got her own branded case, and I don't know if anyone wants to buy that line. But uh, I'm sure we can put links to uh, her merch store afterwards. Just links put to Zara for a 20% discount. Ad. No. <laughs> uh, you want to be our first sponsor? <laughs> so, uh, how was your weekend? What did you do? My weekend was great. I went to Long Island. Okay. Hung okay. out, relaxed, and. Enjoyed the quiet from the city. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to get out there, isn't it? It's like uh, living and working in New York City, it can be intense and like, especially this time of year in the summer and it's like hot, Yeah, yeah. it's humid. And, and that actually we've turned the, the AC off because uh, Danny's on like a sensitive mic and um, so we're gonna be, it's gonna be spicy uh, and hot in the studio today. How do you it's want? actually not as hot as the beginning of it's the summer. Bad. This is really yeah. chill it's and pleasant. nice. It's pleasant. Yeah, it's shifting. It's, it's shifting. It's, it's shifting. But you're right. It's good to get out of the of the city and out of that heat in, in Long Island. So. How do uh, Long Island beaches compare to the ones in Miami? Well, I grew up in Long Island. Oh, okay. So I grew up in the North Shore and I grew up with those beaches, but obviously they don't compare to Miami. They're very cold. They're very, very cold beaches here and dark. Mm -hmm. They kind of resemble California, mm. I think. Okay, good to know. Miami is well, more Caribbean. Yeah, 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 the color. Tropical. Right. Yeah, it's more fun. Yeah, Miami's like more clear and more like uh, yeah. Yeah. New York is different. Yeah, I get that. So, so I want to ask, um, because we touched on it a little bit about your background in terms of being um, an artist manager and doing a lot of different things in entertainment. What inspired you originally to get into the music industry? Well, I've always liked the the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. I went to school for communication arts here in New York, NYIT. And then I moved to Miami. And about at the age of four, I got an internship at EMI. Cause <laughs> 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 I'm not going to give away my age. Ah. And then um, the internship lasted a week. And then I started working into the industry. And I, that's how I got into the music industry, per se, because... I was looking for a job and there was nothing out. I was actually looking into TV production. Mm. And then um, it happened that my friend that was a radio promoter um, told me there was an internship available for EMI Music, which was the, um, owned Capitol Records and Virgin and a whole bunch of other labels. And I did the internship for a week. I got a job as an executive assistant to the president and CEO of the company for Latin America. So my background has always been Latin America. And from there, I went into marketing. Where are you from originally? I'm from Japan. Ooh. No, I'm <laughs> Colombian. So I'm Colombian back. I'm, I'm, a very, I'm like New United Nations. I was born okay. in Spain. Two Colombian parents. I lived in Colombia until I was six. Then I moved to New York. Oh, no, I just said my age. <laughs> got you got you six months right <laughs> and i ended after college i ended up in new in miami and i started uh, the industry i was there for a while until EM, emi got sold off to partially most universal and then the rest to warner and that's when i went independent started doing artist management all of my artists were basically signed to warner music which um it was just a coincidence 
And then I started managing actors as well and kind of got tired of the management side of things and came back into the record industry in 2019. And I've been there ever since. Do you think that experience as a, as a manager sort of helped you in terms of like working at the labels later on? Yeah, for sure. Mm. For sure. Because it helps you deal or teaches you how to deal with the artists and their managers. Because mm. managers are also people you deal with. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's so important. All of that stuff, I think, is just like if you work in any sphere from like a different perspective, it just like gives you so much more, you know, like insight and then transferable skills and just ability to sort of see the full picture, etc. Yeah. Um, and so growing up with two Colombian parents then, did you, like, was there a lot of Latin music? A lot of salsa. A lot of salsa. Cali? Cali, Pachang Cali, Pachanguero. Pachanguero. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad, for some reason, he's a 6'5 uh, tall guy, but he loved like really romantic Michael Bolton type of music. It was mm. really weird. And my mom was the party one. So yeah, I had a little <laughs> bit of both. Oh, well. Does that translate into like what you listen to today? Well, I grew up listening to a lot of Metallica, mm. a lot of like Ooh. rock. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's big down in like South America in, in general, isn't it? Like there's a lot of the, like Metallica are huge. Yeah. Well, uh, alternative and rock music is big for Latin America and we consume it a lot. Like, I mean, if you look in Spotify and you see the territories for these artists, uh, you're definitely going to see Chile and uh, in Mexico at top five markets for all of them. Did you like Nirvana? I like Nirvana, but I was more like a heavier, not so depressing <laughs> type of. <laughs> Definitely Metallica. What was your favorite song? Oh man, I li I liked a lot. Like <laughs> Enter Sandman, maybe I don't know. I uh, one. I mean, I like a lot. I actually Ooh. went on to their show in Mexico in the middle of the swine flu. You guys remember? Like wow. I know we're. Oh my goodness, I know yeah. we have like the COVID stuff right. and yeah, all yeah. this stuff that's happening, but we used to have that swine flu, and I didn't care. Wow. I said, I'm way taller than all these Latin yeah, people, yeah, yeah. even though I'm Latin, I'm very tall for a Latin person. And I went and saw two shows. Wow. Two. Yeah. I saw them in Miami twice also. Yeah, they're pretty awesome. One of my favorite bands when I was growing up. Amazing. So yeah, I think diving deeper into like just expanding on that and like, you know, rock being consumed a lot in Latin, in, a lot in Latin America and just um, how you market Latin music. I, I guess, is it important to just sort of keep that in mind that like, a lot of these areas are not one dimensional. They listen to like all kinds of music and are consuming a lot of the music outside of the U S. Yeah. I mean, the way you market music is pretty much the same mm -hmm. for both. I, I would say like the Latin more reggaeton and urban, you market it more um, geared around TikTok and the influencer booty shaking campaigns. Cause that's what we Latin <laughs> women look like. And mm -hmm. that's what every guy wants to see. And, and, and that's what they've been doing a lot with those marketing campaigns. And I mean, it, it comes big. I mean, the Anita, like what we mentioned, we talked about briefly before she became the number one Latin woman to hit the top, uh, uh number one on Spotify global. Mm. And I think it's because of that. I, she did like an influence, like a campaign that she was shaking and she dances great. And that record just yeah, hit that it. was amazing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, further, you know, a lot of our listeners, of course, will know uh, of Anita, but uh, she is 
Brazilian originally, and she started out doing her uh, music in Portuguese, obviously, and catering for that market. Um, but then I guess, you know, at some point she became big enough that she wanted to cross over into like, you know, the Spanish. Latin, the Latin mm-hmm. space. And I think it's like, it's important, I think, just as a backdrop to know that like, when we, when we talk about Latin America, it's really kind of like 50-50 between Spanish speaking and Portuguese speaking. Yes. And, and that is simply because Brazil is so huge. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But actually, when it comes to the different countries, I mean, what are we talking about in terms of uh, presumably there's a lot more markets that are Spanish speaking country wise? What does it look like? Yeah, it's over 20 countries. Latin America is considered over 20 countries and they do include the Caribbean. So like I think they're including Jamaica and mm-hmm. and and these mm-hmm. other Caribbean islands in it because we have obviously Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic, mm. uh, Cuba. And that's not even including Spain and Portugal, which are mm-hmm. also Latin genre. I mean, this, the Spain, they speak Spanish and in Portugal, they speak Portuguese, just like Brazil. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, so she, she, uh, Anita started doing Portuguese and then obviously at one point was big enough that she, she could obviously speak Spanish. Yeah. So, so for, for Brazil, since they're very, they're obviously Portuguese speaking country, the the music that's listened to there is either general market anglo or portuguese music so when mm-hmm. an artist hits it so big their next step it's really hard to cross over into the u.s general market so their next step for any portuguese artist is to go into the spanish world because that's going to domino effect up and anita made it so big also in the latin industry as a reggaeton artist right as a re- she started doing reggaeton which is what la- major labels love to do if you if you have an artist that is coming into the general market even if they're a bit alternative, they just want you to have that sound because it's what's global right now. It's what's the globalization trend that we hear with the Bad Bunnies and J Balvin and Rao Alejandro and all of that. So speaking on that, what do you think contributed to like the globalization of Latin music? Because just as you said, it's like, you know, a huge genre in terms of global consumption. What what contributed to that? Well, a lot of uh, the what I believe or what like I also read about is that... Um, they collaborate a lot with each other mm. so that we have two big artists and there's a lot of features and there's a lot of collaborations. Also, we do a lot of live shows and a, a lot of events worldwide. They go touring and that made the music more global. So I guess just like tr- uh, taking that for like indie artists who, you know, may be listening, would you say that's like a, an effective way to like sort of break into the Latin scene as maybe start collaborating and like working with producers who are like well established in that space? Yeah, I think that's always good. It's it's always good to have a different sound or to have your unique sound as well, not to mm-hmm. really go with the sound that's out and what the song that just became big and try to do that. You have to be more unique in the music and, and with the help of the producers, I think it's 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 a big thing. They will help you out, they'll connect you with the artists. I mean, if you like to write as well, that's another topic. The, there's a lot of um Great, great urban artists, reggaeton artists that are great writers that write for other people. And you would never know. Like J- Justin Quiles is one of them. He's, yes. He's a great mm-hmm. writer. He writes better for other people than to for himself, by the way. It's yes, he's one of the biggest. And he mm-hmm. also uh, has his own label and his own like a system, right? Yeah. 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 He was with Rich Music. And then I think there was some publishings. We're trying to sign him. I'm not sure which, uh, what publishing he signed to, but he's he's a great 
writer and art, music artist himself. That's that's interesting. Just like talking about, um, you know, like something becomes big, and then there's almost like a formula for success, and then I guess there's a lot of temptation, not just from artists, but almost like the labels to like let's replicate that. We know what works, and like I'm, I'm not, I don't think that's unique to Latin music. You know, it's like it's in all genres, and you know, if there's a formula for success, let's try our best to replicate it on the next artist and on the next artist, and you know, I think. Like we all know that there there's no guarantee of success in mm -hmm. the music industry, and there's a lot of stuff that like for whatever reason it just doesn't connect, and yeah. a lot of the time it can be the song, you know, it's just we don't have the song. Um, but you know, is that something that you see and the thing exists a lot in the Latin uh, world, especially in the, the majors? Same. Yeah, this, I see it a lot in the majors in the general market and also in the Latin world. So if they see a hit song and it connected, they want to take the easy way out. They want to continue doing that because it's safer for them. And they saw that it worked like right now. So we had a lot of the, um, Colombian, like we have J Balvin coming out and we have all these new artists and now all the labels are going into Colombia, which if anybody is here listening from Colombia, you guys are getting looked at right now. Shout out to the Colombian Shout audience. Shout out to Colombians. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, music and, and artists coming from there. And it started with the producers, the producers that work with Balvin and all of that stuff. And they just started. Medellin is one of the, I mean, I think it's one of the biggest cities right now in the world, right? Where the yeah. actual music is happening. Yeah. Miami and Medellin. Medellin and, and Cartagena is the new trend that's coming Cartagena. from now. You oh, have all nice. these Cartagena guys coming out. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. because they're, they're they're urban as well it's reggaeton and it's um that sound the champeta comes from cartagena champeta comes from cartagena which is yeah. that different sound that you're hearing now yeah, because yeah. the music needed to make a change because it's gonna get boring if everything sounds the same yes so. yeah totally and that's it like i think um yeah i just i wanted to hear your take on that you know about any sort of artists that are coming up and you know working at the, at the start of their career at the infancy of their career and the journey is still ahead you know is your advice to stay, you know stay true to their own in artistic integrity or do you have to balance that with you know what is you know what's popular um you know what's your advice or I would, thoughts I would on say that? true to what they are you know and if they are producers or, or they're writing, they, they could contribute to what is mainstream right now because that always is going to keep them a foot into that door and then they could get a collaboration because of that. There's an artist that you and I know from mm -hmm. Spain yes. that he does that. He's very, he's very, he's a very eclectic, right? He has like different sounds. He's great, but he's writing all these reggaeton and urban hits, mm -hmm. but he's still saying true in his artistry to himself when he uh, releases his stuff. He's, very new and developing, like very developing. That's yeah, that's amazing. And mm -hmm. like, um, and I, you know, I do, it is, it is interesting, like going back to, you know, I think they call it refer to it now as like the, the, the globalization of Latin music. And, uh, there was an interesting stat that was out, um, uh, in the last couple of weeks or what have you, I think it was like off one of the data compilers in the industry, AC Nielsen or what have you. And they were saying that the the Latin 
music i think and it was in terms of streams or whatever I think overall, or consumption. Just consumption overall consumption in the US. is like top reached one billion dollars in the u.s alone so that's yeah. that's incredible yeah i think it was a, it was a music uh, business worldwide article that came out um that in 2022 uh, latin music in the united states is set to hit one billion dollars which I believe is like a 30% jump from the year prior. Yeah. So I, the consumption is matching with the the perception of like the globalization of Latin music. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, like actually reflecting that it's not just, it doesn't feel, it doesn't just feel that it's going global. Like it really is having a moment right now. It is. And if you take a look at Bad Bunny, what he did, it was Bad Bunny that he did. He released a record that was not reggaeton. It was, it had like merengue and it had like different sounds. And yep, the whole the whole new the new album uh, the new Verano, album Verano Sintisi. and that was one of like the best releases for this year. They, I mean, I saw the stats on that as well. He's been on a roll for he's a minute though. It. I mean, yeah, since the pandemic, when he put out the El Último Tour del Mundo, mm -hmm. and he put out three albums in 2020, right, or something like that. Something insane, and also yeah. he's in a movie. He was in a movie with Brad Pitt, the 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 crazy oh, yes. train yeah, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're yeah. right. Yeah, he's everywhere. He's absolutely. And he doesn't it. speak English. He spoke no English. Wow. Well, I mean, like that, because that's like where I was getting to with this. Like one of the, I think one of the explanations behind like uh, the huge rise in Latin music here in the United States and everywhere is that there really are a lot of people uh, who previously would not have been listening to it because they did not speak Spanish and they still don't speak Spanish, yet they're they're consuming this music, they're learning the words. And I think like... There was another stat or something that was um, 40%. 40, yeah, I read like 40% of the Latin music being streamed in the United States is by people who are not Hispanic or yeah. his, of Hispanic origin. Yeah. So, I mean, like, just think about that in terms of the, the target, you know, uh, the target audience to go after. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, like, it, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. And, like, I can see. That it's only and that's just like U.S. Imagine like growing. the stat for world. Exactly, that's you what know? I mean. You know, everywhere else, um, it's yeah. unbelievable. What I think is interesting is the I guess what it seems like is a lot of fans in Latin America are more open to crossover and collaboration when it comes to U.S. artists coming on like these Latin tracks, which I think is in contrast to like when you're trying to market stuff in the United States. Like for example, like a hip hop artist in London it's maybe a bit harder for them to break into like hip hop in the United States, even when they collaborate with the big artists, just because for some reason fans in the United States seem to be like less receptive to that. Why do you think, you know, Latin fans are so open to like collaborating, um, you know, with, with artists from the U S making Latin music? Well, I think it's more that the labels are now setting them up with the, the, the general market artists to mm -hmm. collaborate with each other, because this is something Latin artists used have always done. We've mm -hmm. always which is how, why I think they became so global because they've always done collaborations. They've always done features with each other. It's not like, oh no, I'm releasing this by myself. They, mm. they do that. Now they're getting that trend back into the, the general market artists are doing the same thing. Like for example, the song Despacito with Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee. It was a huge song. Huge. And then who jumped in it? Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber. So I think that's... The yeah, he was down there in Colombia, I think, heard it and just decided he was going to get on this track. And I guess, uh, yeah, the rest is history. It's yeah. blown up from there. But and yeah. I think that's where globalization started, from that song 
on and that's why like 2016 i would say i mm-hmm. don't 2017 but, but it's interesting because like i guess point being that justin bieber can sing in spanish and like that's like receptive but i feel like if justin bieber like hopped on an afrobeat track and started like singing in like pigeon english or like you know, in Yoruba and like Nigerian, I wonder if that would be, you know, received. In the I same don't way. think so. It's com- but it's <laughs> coming. So. It's yeah. coming. Afrobeat. It's like, it's one of the biggest uh, genres coming yeah. out right now. I have an artist that I just did projections on. It's a UK artist, Stefan Dunn, that she had a big hit and my projections were extremely high for Latin America. Mm. And she's a Jamaican artist, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Or yeah, I think she's a Jamaican artist, yeah. but she's out of the UK. She had a big, big song. Mm. Do you know who she is? No. Yeah, 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 I know. Yeah. Um, what do you think? It's easier for like, let's say, um, an artist in the United States making Latin music. So, like, let's say an artist from New York who grows up in like a, a, a Hispanic community. Is it easier for them to break into Latin markets or artists who are actually from those countries and like I born think and it's raised? Easier. I think yeah. it's easier if you're here because what we're trying to do are the Latin American artists are trying to make their way up mm. so they that's like anita anita started brazil she made her way up to the u.s latin market or the latin market mexico mexico is a, a key territory to jump off yeah. to go up like a like a like a staging post almost mm-hmm. for breaking in america you, if like those artists can find their way into mexico create a name for themselves get popular then yeah. it feels like it's a natural stepping stone into the United States. And vice versa, general market as well. Mm-hmm. Whenever an alternative artist or rock artist wants to make it into Latin America, the first thing they do is go to Mexico. 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 Tour Mexico. Promo sh- Mexico. Maybe that's what we need to do. We need to get ourselves done to Mexico. <laughs> podcast, <laughs> Mexico podcast. Yeah. Yeah. With tequila. Hey, we're going with Tim soon. Yeah, Tim. <laughs> yeah. Tim's I'll be going, a- you're going to be there next week, Tim. Yeah, yeah I'll be in Mexico next week. Mexico uh, City. I'm yeah. going to... Uh, Porta Panasca. I don't know. It's like on the West Coast. I don't want to butcher it, but it's supposed to be beautiful, beautiful beaches. So I can't wait. All right. Well, maybe you should uh, do your holiday, take your vacation, and then, but you know, set up the staging post. I'll come down and join you. I got you. you. I got you. I'll and then we'll, then we'll conquer Colombia. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and then we keep going south. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But um, so, um, no, that's interesting to yeah. hear that about uh, Mexico. And, and you do feel. That it's easier for United States born and bred Latin artists to go down than, than, than um, you know. It's just because of the access to the DSPs. Person. The DSPs, the US DSPs are easier. We have all of them here. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, Amazon just opened Colombia, right? Got you. And like Argentina is the next one they're opening up. Amazon is doing like this huge stuff now in Latin America. Um, Apple Music, We, I mean, we don't have, we have it. Mexico, but we're like, it's also like getting even stronger in Latin America because in Latin America, it's like it's guided more by Claro Musica or by Deezer that are come that, that come in with your phone plan and things like that. It's yeah. 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 So that's, that's an interesting point now, because I guess one of the questions and this goes to, you know, directly as sort of like a, like a, uh, to our viewers and our listeners you know, that if they're seeking to make their own way in the Latin space, um, you know, is it exactly the same in terms of marketing? Like we've already talked a little bit about, like, you know, you said, like, you know, Latin music compared to Anglo repertoire. It's all marketing at the end of the day and digital marketing, especially given 
that um well you know in in, in latin america even more so it's it's digital dominates you know there's not TikTok. really yeah. much physical product yeah. there yeah, at physical all really. is like 1% um, I mean, if it's like a box set or vinyl, vinyl is back up, you know? So if it's like a box set or vinyl, physical is really, like yeah. artists don't really do any type of physical. So that being, you know, the case of it is all like similar marketing, like I wanted to ask, you know, is it exactly the same? Or for example, if Deezer is more of a thing or Clara Musica, you know, is it worthwhile being a little bit more selective about where you put your marketing efforts? Yeah. It depends on where you are in Latin America, but usually I think Latin America is dominated a lot by YouTube also. Mm -hmm. So you should do a lot of like the YouTube campaigns. I mean, it's, it, you get, you get good streaming, um, for your money as well. Mm -hmm. The, so, the, yeah. so the stream rate and, and, and also what you pay for. So you can make sure that your YouTube channel is, you know, in good shape. It looks like a good artist channel. You've got your videos correctly claimed, set up for monetization, playlists, playlisting. Yeah, I think playlisting is also huge, too. And unfortunately, I think there's still a lot of barriers when it comes to, like, knowing the people that actually own these YouTube playlists. So if it's if you know like maybe a digital marketer or somebody who's like worked in that space before it's like often beneficial to hire somebody that could like help you with a specific campaign with a song and like can put your music video on a specific playlist but if you or your manager knows those owners of the playlist as well you can reach out to them directly um and then obviously like youtube advertising true view things like that can help if you do it right you can't don't overdo it but you know don't overdo it and do it right and see where your your following is as well because you got to nurture them and another another thing that's happening spain is another territory that's consuming mm. anything that's coming out of south america as well so you can't you gotta that's another crossover you're doing as as you're releasing anything in south america they're anything that's like them bowl or like that type of genre, Spain is super consuming that. That's Sarah, I have a question. How do you feel the DSPs that are um, opening in all these Latin countries are taking into consideration actual independent artists instead of like artists that are related or connected to major labels? They are. Like, I, like Spotify does do a really good job for like the New Music Fridays Colombia, New Music Friday, Argentina, Chile, South Cone, Mexico. I see a lot of new, new artists there and a lot of not signed artists to, to uh, big uh, record labels. So I do see that. And that's a good, it's, it's also you need to pitch it right and, 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 and set up your release right, I think. Is it mostly, is it, but like, is it important to have direct relationships with the DSPs to be able to do those pitches or is all all done online like you know because there's everybody can do that everybody can go into district kid and like do the pitch and but, yeah but what is the what what what, what do you think is like the a secret pitch? sauce what is the secret sauce the secret okay so in that in that in that aspect of an independent i think is the manager knowing the right people yeah because the dsps are not talking to like the independent and, and one and one there so they even won't. as a, even as an independent you would need a manager somebody very connected to be able to get yeah 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 yeah, yeah. You, you do like that's that's just the reality and probably the true of any industry you know it's it's not always what you know it's who you know and uh um, but you know, look, there there are tips and tricks. You know, it's not necessarily about getting on the Spotify editorial playlist. There are other avenues in, um, like independent playlisting. 
they do a, a lot of independent playlisting that will get your uh, the eye out also for like if you need to find like a trend or something like go to festivals and get yourself known as an artist if you're independent and you don't have that label do things to get yourself known because these music people are going to these things or you know what I mean so the independent playlists work as well do like a really good um, TikTok because in TikTok your people are now finding new music I mean we. I had there was a song that was a uh, Conqueror Banana, and that song a person did a remix and it just blew it up. Yeah, and it right just on. became a trend on TikTok. I remember that song. Yeah, yeah. TikTok. Yeah. yeah, that was a like the song had already been and gone almost. Yeah, and then it was like the the remix of some relatively unknown producer and put it up on a TikTok track, and then the next thing it, it blew up. So. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so, it's, so it mostly the the reaction that we should expect as as independent artists is to to generate a sort of a viral uh, reaction. I think so. to get the attention of the of the industry, so we can get into that playlisting world, right? Yeah, I mean, even if you see like what's happening on Netflix, that all these old songs are coming back mm -hmm. because they're putting it in. Uh, what was that? The show, the running up that hill. Oh, stranger, oh, things. stranger things. things. Yeah. And now I think yeah. Metallica is the next song that yeah. they put out there. So it's all coming. I mean, it's just the way you market it, and it's I guess not doing such traditional one like I mm. technically just said. Let's do and do the digital marketing. Do all those little different campaigns that use the TikTok. Use your social media to get yourself known. Of course, I also feel like independent music especially internationally has like a bigger market share. So even if like you could say managers, but I feel like there's a huge like independent label and independent distribution scene in, in Latin America as well. Yeah, they do yeah. have a lot of the digital, in, they do have a lot of the digital independent um, distribution, like one RPM and those mm -hmm. guys that now I think they're even giving some marketing money to the artist. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think like, uh, Another thing which I've heard, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, is like, you know, possibly for like one difference, obviously, compared to Anglo repertoire is like, you know, where you're marketing your music and being like territory specific and not necessarily like just, you know, spreading the dollars like far and wide. Yeah. What, is, what does that actually look like? Do you feel like Latin artists have can be a little bit more targeted targeted or intelligent with their marketing spend you know on a territory by territory basis i think so i would see where their following is just look at their demographics not so much going to the cheaper country to mar to market and do the spend because then you're just wasting your money and you're just, just getting streams so just do it right. you just market yourself the right way you know who your target is and start there and then it just it's gonna have that effect that it's gonna reach out because that's what the trend that I've seen happening, mm -hmm. you know, if you were a U.S. Um, based artist in the Latin scene, would you be where would you be targeting most of your marketing dollars initially? Would you be just building your scene at home, or would you be looking to get to Mexico first? How does it work? Mm. I've been I, right now. The two territories that are really consuming Latin music is Chile and Mexico. Mm -hmm. So I would be targeting those. It also depends on the genre, because if it's more like a rock alternative artist, I would also do Argentina. Argentina, it's a lot of trap artists coming out of there too. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've seen this uh, woman. Boss. Oh. What's her name? 
Was no, there's an art, there's a there's a trap artist called Was, I think, or like a hip- there's a lot like Lit Kila. If you go look at their numbers, they're mm. huge. They're huge. The uh, no, the Casu. Casu, yes. Casu came she, out. She was uh, she was signed with uh, J Balvin, right? Or J Balvin was kind of like a help on. The- I know Rosalia is the one that was uh, J Balvin like saw in Spain, and then they brought her over. Oh, really? Yeah, but you see how she was making different music. It was a little yeah, flamenco. With her. It was first amazing. Album was amazing. So it's something yeah. different. It's something unique. Mm-hmm. That's why yeah. artists they don't really need to go do what you're hearing out there. Do what you feel like. Yeah, do what's authentic yeah. to you. Like the, what's the, you know, I think that's so, that's actually a really important message that's come out of uh, this conversation because uh, I think it applies not just to Latin music but everything. You know, like you, you've got to be yourself and you've got to create your art. If you're, you know, saying something that's popular at the minute and you're trying to aspire to be that person, you know, I think you're, you know, you're destined to fail eventually because yeah. you are, you are. You are you, you know, and yeah. as, cl- as cliche as that sounds, it's it's absolutely true. And you like we talk a lot about authenticity and, you know, like, sure, as uh, you know, artists have to experiment and, you know, that's part of the artistic process. But I think if you're setting out to like imitate from the start, that's, you know, that's probably crossing the line of what we're talking about. Yeah. But and then do a collaboration. Also, mm. like there's an artist. OK, you want to get that mainstream urban reggaeton market and do a collaboration with someone and then bring your uniqueness to it as well and make something. How do you see the LGBTQ uh, music in the Latin market? So I met uh, one that's from Puerto Rico. She was actually at the LAMC, the Latin Alternative Music Conference. I think it's pretty cool. Like I, I, I forgot her name. But um, she's had a hard time too. Like she mm-hmm. told her story in Puerto Rico is like super hard. Yep. You know, and she's a transgender uh, woman or, but, it, and she's blowing up. What's the name of the, the artist that did that uh, song with Bizarre Rap that just went viral, mega viral? Uh, trans artist. From where? From, Ar- I shouldn't see from Argentina. Oh, there's another one. The one I'm talking about is specifically from Puerto Rico and she's amazing. I forgot her name. I have to look it up. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's, there are definitely niches, but I, yeah. I could imagine like, you know, artists in like the queer community, maybe especially because it's similar in hip hop, right? Like you, you have your niches, like your big Frida's who's like amazing and super talented. But when it comes to like the mass consumption, we still have a ways to go when it comes to like those fans. Yeah, but they're there have a space now because mm. now I see a lot more coming out and all of that. So it's pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's great to see. That's great mm-hmm. to see like, um, you know, evolving and, you know, for the better. How important is, um, a uh, live music when it comes to like marketing in, in Latin America? Cause I, I earlier you said that, uh, the fans don't consume as much physical product. So like that music consumption like has to be made up somewhere. And, you know, we touched a lot on streaming. Is, is live music like a big component of for that? Latin, for the Latin industry, yeah. Latin mm-hmm. Latin um, industry is a lot of, uh, there are a lot of concert goers. They love their concerts. They they would go. I mean, that's why I told you it became global Latin music because they are touring everywhere. They're touring in, in Europe. They're going everywhere. It's, I mean, even from the days that I worked at EMI, I had this band called RBD. Mm-hmm. It was, um pop band uh three guys three girls from a soap opera they toured the world like brazil brazil does not consume spanish music it's rarely the case i mean unless you're a bad bunny or 
Rao Alejandro or Daddy Yankee. And they went and did the Maracana in, in, in Brazil. Wow. Which is a soccer stadium. Incredible. Yeah, the biggest. Yeah, huge. It's kind of like the K-pop. K-pop is blowing up and Latin America is loving K-pop. Really? Wow. It's it's loving wow. K-pop. We got to have a, a K-pop crossover with, yeah. uh, with um, some reggaeton. What's They're up? doing it now. They yeah? are doing really? it. Really? Yeah. Wow. And also they know that they want to, and, and also the Latin artists also do, like Carlos Vives. They just had like this K-pop artist doing like the little dance and, you know, like things mm. like that. It's cr it's crossing over. Also, also Latin music in Asia yeah. is huge. Yeah. Like the consumption of reggaeton in like Japan Japan Korea. also is huge for, I mean, they're a big music market, but like when Luis Guerra used to tour in Japan, like, yes. you know, la, la Orquesta de la Luz. Sí. This is like, uh, honestly, it's, I see it on Japoneses, no? There was the other way sí, around. Yes, yes. There was a Japanese orchestra that did salsa, did salsa wow. in Spanish <laughs> wow. and it was amazing. Yes. Oh, wow. Love to see that. Like, yeah. Love this, to hear that. I'm giving away my age. I have to like, <laughs> who are <laughs> they? No. <laughs> no, I was going to do a lot of research. We're very young. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. And every, even catalog, catalog is back. We have mm. Buena Vista Social Club. And yeah, the Cuban uh, album slash documentary and like a, it's like a label now, right? Kind of. They they have a, they, it comes. They're signed to this specific label, but no. Buena Vista Social Club was old school. Was that World Circuit? Was World, that Circuit, World Circuit, yeah, yeah. Circuit. Mm -hmm. But they're huge and they're nominated for a Latin Billboard now. I mean, when they released their catalog album, it was I think the, some anniversary year, and they're nominated for a Billboard. They got I got all the placements for them in Latin America. Apple loves them. Spotify loves them. They're amazing. It's just like the nostalgia, I guess. Mm. I don't know. Of course. I think because it happens, right, with music, like every certain amount of years, we go back to, like, we were listening to, like, we're doing a lot of disco right now, going back to that. A lot of nostalgia from the 90s is coming yes. back. Even the rock in Spanish is kind of coming back, right? A little yeah. bit of a rock and roll you hear then in the... Yeah, yeah. So with that nostalgia, is sampling big in Latin music or not really? Sampling is big within, I, well, like a specific, yeah. Like, uh, I have this artist, Hector El Father, and they've sampled his song Travesura, Noche de, Tra Noche mm -hmm. de Travesuras, a lot. Like, all these big artists have like sampled that song, and a lot of people, yeah, it's it's huge. So, maybe like, you like know, the old school, yeah. So, like, if you're like an indie Latin artist and maybe you don't have those connections yet, maybe like sampling and like putting that stuff out, like on YouTube, might be like a good marketing tool. You know, until like you get to the point where you're working with a producer who can connect you with like people to actually like collaborate with. Yeah, I've seen that a lot. I've mm -hmm. seen a lot of talented artists uh, doing those live streams and singing some other artists music mm -hmm. in their own way. And All that's right. how you catch people's attention. Yeah. Yeah. I think, do you know, it's like when I'm sitting listening to, you know, the conversation that we've had and talking about the collaboration and like, uh, you know, a lot of the, the Latin markets, I feel it's like consumers and fans openness to yeah. those collaborations because they've you know that's that's been the way of the world down there for so long and like it actually reminds me um so i'm from northern ireland originally if you can't tell by this accent <laughs> and uh, for many years you know growing up northern ireland is like uh you know we get like british culture it's part of the uk and um you know however i grew up having all these um like different flavors of drinks. Like let's say that we, we had like these different flavors of Fanta and there'd be like 
experimental like can of coke that was released or whatever and i assumed that like this is just the rest of the country and then it wasn't until i moved over to scotland like to the mainland to go to university i was asking for these drinks i'd be going into stores just to buy the same stuff that i was been you know grew up buying only to find out that no one's ever heard of it <laughs> i'm like what i feel like am i going mad and it was because I found out that these uh, fast, you know, FMCG, fast-moving consumable goods companies, they specifically used Northern Ireland as a test market. Wow. No way. Yeah, it did. So if like if anything went wrong or like, <laughs> like oh, well, that was a bit of a dud, like that didn't work. People didn't like it. Didn't like, kind of destroy the brand's reputation in the rest of the country. But then, as a result, the people in Northern Ireland get very became over years became very receptive to new products. So we were all like, you know, like the brands would always like love Northern Ireland that release stuff there, you know. And uh, I think maybe it reminded me of it when you were talking about that in the Latin community of like this sort of like collaboration and cross genre, etc. If people sort of are used to it over a while, then they become kind of receptive to it. And I think that's like a real positive for Latin music and that like uh, for a lot of developing artists and doing their thing there probably is the opportunity to be a lot more experimental and, you know, reach out. And, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if there's like K-pop collabs happening next, you know. They did one with uh, Nati Natasha and... Who? The K-pop artist? A K-pop artist. Yeah, I believe so. I believe it was Nati Natasha. But they're they're doing that. They're starting to do that now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and also Afrobeat artists are are going a lot into Latin, and I, I heard like Sebastian Yatra. And yeah. Like, um, yeah, so I was, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm just saying I think there comes a point in music that you need something different. You need like mm. a change. Yes, that's why I think they allowed our Latin music to like become global. Also, it mm-hmm. was like a like a different change, and now that's been the trend. Like we need some change, and I guess the Afrobeat is getting. Yeah, well, just like my family's uh, Nigerian, like just coming from like a West African background, I think when, like hearing like the collaboration, it's funny, just kind of to your point is even we even share a lot of the same grocery products in Nigeria that there are in Latin America, you know, like Goya products and all these things. It's just we are so used to like exchanging and borrowing these cultures from one another that naturally it translates into the music. You know, it's like music from West Africa comes over here, we do our thing with it, and then it goes back over there. And that's the same thing with hip hop and all these other genres. So it's mm-hmm. it's really cool to see it like play out in real time, especially at a point where we need new music, you know, when yeah. everything gets boring. Yeah, you're right. So maybe that's the next step. Then someone needs to do a deep dive and correlate the evolution uh, grocery, of music. Grocery no. stores, <laughs> grocery stores, the products and That could be a stores. dissertation. It really and, can. <laughs> yeah. And then that's where you target. That's where you target your, 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 your next audience. But you, and then to your point, Zara, it's like you, artists have to sort of stay authentic because you never know what fusion or collaboration is going to be the next big thing in Latin music or music in general, you know? So instead of trying to ride the wave that's already there, maybe try and start your own one. You yeah. Know? So from a producer's perspective, I would yeah. say that music is like cooking, you know? Mm. And at the end of the day, it is all about the ingredients. It doesn't matter if you're making a burger, but if you make, if you have the best ingredients and you put the right spice yeah. on that burger, yeah. it might be the new burger that exactly blows yeah. up and yeah. you, you don't know, but you have to, going like like you were mm. saying you should go into yourself and discover like your own cultures latin american culture is so rich and so big like we've been big 
globally recently because of reggaeton specifically yeah and that was the main genre that really blew up globally but latin music has a lot of different flavors because mm-hmm. depending on the on the on the country for example i think i don't i'm sorry my note better uh mexican music like actual like corridos regional mexican regional music and music yeah. was one of the biggest things on Spotify, right? Regional Mexican has always been big. So that's the reason also why country music doesn't cross over to Latin America because regional Mexican and banda and all of that, it's it's already like kind of a similar sound. So Mm. that's one music that doesn't cross over. Like country music goes all the way to Australia, Canada, doesn't really get into us because of the regional music. Colombia mm-hmm. consumes a lot of that. A lot, yeah. yeah. We grew up with a yeah. lot of uh, mariachi, mariachi and all, that kind of all of that stuff. Yeah, and, and, also, that, and also in Latin America, there's a lot of other uh, Latin rhythms that are still not global, but they're very famous and very popular, like Salsa. cumbia. I think like cumbia. I, so like cumbia, cumbia is one of the one. Cumbia actually crossed over to Mexico. Mexico has the cumbia. And it comes from the Colombian and cumbia. And it also comes in it also in Argentina because back in the day, cumbia was uh, it was it, was, it happened. It started cumbia in Argentina Colombia as well. Cumbia started in Colombia. I think Carlos so the Vives cumbia, did the a cumbia whole, Argentina and the cumbia Colombiana is a little bit different, but that did go up to Mexico. Like Angeles Azules is one of the biggest yes. streaming uh, bands. They're they're I don't know they're like. 15 of them and now they're doing collaborations with general uh, like the big artists in latin america they just did a carlos vives song yes uh, so he's he's been promoting his album cumbiamba yeah it's and it's, it's about it's all about the history of cumbia and yeah. he's trying to explain that in colombia we got all this mixture from from Africa and from yes. Spain and from the indigenous people and that genre started there mm. but then it started spreading into the rest of Latin America because in Colombia we didn't have recording studios yeah so they would go to either Mexico or Argentina where they were recording and it's big cumbia is still and big then, in Argentina cumbia is big and they in created Mexico. their own their own the whole yeah. new world about that yeah when I was down in uh, Miami last you know I was uh, we're at, I was at a party and it was like uh, the launch of a studio or whatever I met a guy and he was like you know for all intents and purposes he was now mixing reggaeton with like salsa beats and I was explaining that in Peru like young people are going out and you know, they're dancing in clubs to salsa music, which to, to my mind, you know, that blew my mind because I've like been, I've done salsa classes and things like that. And I can't even imagine like, you know, that in clubs, but that's like a real thing. And there's different types of the salsa no, it's beats normal. and things like it's that. It's yeah. normal. They it's have salsa <laughs> clubs here in Brooklyn should too. We, should I mean, we have <laughs> a, wait, should we have a, a demonstration of your, uh, your dancing oh, skills? Yeah, oh, 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 right here. Oh, <laughs> I couldn't show you these snake hips. Not on that. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Not before the watershed. Um, I have a question for you. Um, where do you see Latin music in 10 years? Do you feel like there's going to be a cap to this global expansion or do you feel like it's going to keep growing? I think it's just going to keep growing. Mm. Honestly, I do. I mean, it hasn't stopped and it's, it's just, I guess it's shifting. I don't know what's the next change of it, but maybe it's, I mean, we had the trap coming into the reggaeton. We had like all this stuff, but that all evolved from something Mm. like reggae. I think a lot of music evolved from reggae. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also the 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 Latin industry. I feel artists like Bad Bunny are really opening up new doors. You know, Bad Bunny, Rosalia, because they're taking genres that are 
very uh, specific, but then they're opening like new doors about it. Like the, the reggaeton and the Latin, the trap industry has been a very macho yeah. type of uh, yeah. mm -hmm. industry mm. for a long time. Yeah. But then someone like by Bunny comes up and dresses as a woman and does it in a very tasteful way, yeah. you know, and respectful about like using, using this type of uh, things. And it opens a whole new world. I mean, even Arcangel was saying something recently about like, Bad Bunny's got the balls that a lot of other artists didn't it's like have. like Harry Styles of uh, Latin music, maybe. You know? Yeah, Harry Styles is great. I love that album that he released. But no, it's it's a hundred percent right. And he and he like we said, Bad Bunny came out with an album that was merengue, which is not reggaeton. Like he's doing, like it's it's he's just doing that change that we needed. Like Juan Luis Guerra is the one that made bachata famous. Bachata Absolutely. was music that was danced in Dominican Republic. No one really, and then he mixed it with the Beatles. He mixed it in a way that everybody wanted to. I guess it was like not the music that everybody listened to, but he mixed it in a way that everybody wanted to dance it. And now Ventura became huge, and all the bachata artists they became a trend. The same thing in um, what in every country we've had that. Yeah. Uh, Vallenato, Vallenato, only like the low class people will hear it. And Vallenato it blew up. Mm. Musica Carlos Vives was one of the yeah. ones that made it big. And now we have Musica Popular coming out. People didn't listen to that. And now it's like coming out and it's coming here and it's going to Mexico. You got, you know, Musica Popular. It's one of the biggest right now, too. Musica Popular. Musica Popular de Colombia. It's going into Mexico, like the. Um, but by Musica Popular, you mean a genre called Musica Popular or. Así le llaman la música popular. Eh, let me tell you the artist so you know. Like, I gotta go to Google it. But I think it's it's just like you know, it just goes to show that it certainly is on the rise, and there are lots more places for it to go. I mean, we talked about you know here in the United States earlier. One of the statistics is you know forty percent of the Latin music being consumed is being consumed by like the non-Hispanic community. Mm. So yeah. I think the opportunity there is massive. And you know, to any uh, you know artists who are in that space, I think it's just a case of being authentic. You know, finding creative ways to get your music out there, whether and 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 you know, not being afraid to experiment and collab to open up your name and your brand to other genres, I guess, and other other audiences. You know, of like uh, more established artists and producers, etc. Yeah. Um, have you got that artist for us? Yeah. Okay. So, musica popular is like um, Colombian folk music, like the 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 romantic music that they used to hear in like the small towns that's the next big movement oh, in music como like como el pasillo sí. y, el, y, el, y la música sí. de la, okay that's like, like como cumbia vallenato y otra cosa like something else like mixed into each oh, other oh like a mixture okay. yeah but the, there's big artists right now for, pero es folklore es trompeta folk gu yeah guitarra como la papayera y, and all that stuff yeah no tanto papayera es more romantic more, more música de despecho how do you say despecho mm. Um, were you broken hearted? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I got to say like this whole Carrilera uh, type of mm -hmm. this whole conversation is extremely humbling, um, especially for somebody like me that works in the music industry. I feel like a lot of the times we get so segmented and, you know, so hyper focused on the specific genres that we work. But yes. in terms of like career progression, it's important for like us to know this stuff, you know, because you never know again, like we we're living in the, the Latin expansion. So if you're not 
familiar with it, then you're sort of doing yourself a disservice. Totally. You know? it's, it's important to keep up. And look, like, I think that's uh, almost uh, an analogy um, or there's a lot of parallels with just the movement from the old music world mm -hmm. into the new digital era. There's so much happening. The rate of change is so fast. And even the people, you know, like uh, Tim and I and, uh, you know, Danny and Zara who work in the industry, I can tell you that like we're having to figure it out as we go as well. You know, the whole industry is and, it, you know, change is happening at a pace that it's, you know, not really happened before mm -hmm. uh, since. And it's like, but it's, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting for music. It's exciting for artists because I feel music has been consumed more ways than ever these days. And I think, you know, for any young artist looking to make a career out of it, it's like, it's really a good time to be in music and to be getting into music. Um, but like we always say, you know, it's, um, you know, the path is not paved for you. You have to be prepared to put in the hours, to put in, you know, the, the perseverance and the grit and get creative and the, the work that involves, you know, getting your music out there and marketing. But that's what we're hoping to sort of shed light on when we have uh, the, the episodes of this Record Shepherds podcast is trying to impart some of that information. And uh, hopefully a lot of the viewers and the listeners will have picked up some great uh, pieces of information. Mm. And I think actually, especially today for Latin artists or, or artists looking to get into that genre, more than anything, like in I hope they're encouraged by the conversation we've had today. But you said it really good. You said this digital world. So now the artists have way bigger opportunities to get their music out there to places they would never think their music was going to reach, like Japan or, you know what I mean? Because they're independent artists, but we have this yeah. tools that are the digital streaming platforms and it's just going to blow up. Yeah, and I think it's just like, you know, it just to go in and to go and you know fight you got to find your audience but the audience is is global now yeah so um i think that's probably gonna bring us to somewhere close i have one more question oh yeah danny go yeah because we were talking about how important it is the marketing and the and all of this how important do you think it is to do self-investment i'm talking money as an independent artist to be able to reach to these levels where the industry actually cares. What do you mean self-invest? Like, like, like basically invest on, on advertisement and like, uh, campaigns, YouTube campaigns, independent playlisting, you know, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, all that stuff. Because a lot of the, because a lot of the things that we see and we also, we are learning all here as a, as a team, it's, it's the most important thing for an artist, especially is as an independent artist is to focus on the marketing but at the end of the day marketing it's a it, it's important it's a numbers it's thing, important no? it depends because there's you could do a video for thirty thousand dollars or more or you could do a video for five hundred dollars and yes. it could come out with a great quality yeah. so yeah invested in it does i'm not necessarily saying you need three hundred thousand yeah. no, dollars in marketing but there's I, I think that the answer to that question is there is no set amount there's no mm -hmm. set monetary amount that you put in that automatically guarantees you qualification for consideration uh, for a record deal or a music publishing it's like like we've always said here you know you do have to treat your career as a business and, and invest in it but 
you know, you don't have to spend lots and lots and lots of money to have an impact. Uh, yes, marketing will cost dollars, but be smart with those dollars. And like Zara says, you could spend 30,000 on a music video, but you could also spend a couple of thousand or, or couple less, hundreds, yeah, less on a yeah. music now, video. Nowadays creating content Just be consistent really and create yeah. content. If you're consistent, yeah. you create content and you're like feeding your fans and the public, you're, mm -hmm. it's going to help the algorithm and it's going to work. And yeah. I'll, I'll say, especially I mean, if you're good, I mean, yeah. if, if it's me singing, it's not getting anywhere. Now I'll say, especially like on YouTube, like what's making a lot of these labels pay attention to some of these artists specifically in like hip hop and maybe even live music. A lot of these videos, they look like they cost maybe a thousand bucks but they have like 20 million views because they actually have like a legitimate organic following. So I think maybe to follow up with your question, there is an investment. It's just not always, you know, a monetary investment. I think there's like a split, like mm -hmm. you, maybe you invest in some of the video, but there should be as equal, if not more investment in actually like making connections and actually making the music sound good as well as, cause you know, there's plenty of like, you know, rich LA kids who make music and then they spend a million dollars on YouTube and DSPs, but there, there's no actual like connections there. So like, you'll see like crazy production quality, but it has like 2000 views and you wonder why, you know, mm -hmm. that could be it. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, I think, uh, that's, um, probably a good place to, to wrap up this episode, but, mm -hmm. um, Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on. Stand by for part two next week. No, yeah. part two. <laughs> yeah, she wants a, she wants another hour. I, f I feel like we could have talked for, for another so. hour. I think so. But um, no, thank you. Appreciate it. And um, yeah, we'll put uh, we'll try to put um, if there's links that uh, would be of value, we'll put this underneath the episode. So um, Tim, um, why don't you wrap it up by uh, telling? our listeners and viewers where they can uh, check us out, et yes, cetera, yes, contact sir. us. Yep. So uh, again, thank you for listening. You could uh, listen to us where all podcasts are streamed. Um, you can email us at therecordshepherds at gmail.com for any questions, comments, or concerns. Um, if you want to be interviewed or if you just you know, have any feedback, we're more than welcome to receiving that. Um, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, as well as subscribe to us on YouTube. Absolutely. And uh, like we always say, if you're in the New York area and uh you're going to be swinging by um we, we'd love to we'd love to chat with you Definitely. we'd even love to get you in on the couch if you've got like a conversation that you think would be worth uh, having then we'd love to hear from you so also, um if you're a latin artist in new york city i would be very happy to hear your music because i'm a producer so i would love to hear what the latin artists are doing in the city and actually i could help you and show you Yes. The way to the Latin world. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing get in producer. Touch with, get in touch with Daniel. And singer. He is uh, an amazing producer, singer, artist, mm -hmm. and um, and shepherd. And salsa uh, dancer. And, 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 and <laughs> an owner of Beetle the Beagle. Amazing. So until the next exciting episode of The Record Shepherds, continue to follow the guidance of the shepherds. Don't be the sheep. Be, be the, the goat. goat. What about I'm the wolf?